It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, November 16th. Uh, LA Galaxy in off-season mode. In fact, they're in radio silence mode as everything sort of plays out now. There was a press conference last week. We're going to get a, uh, just go over that again. I know we talked about it on Thursday. We want to touch on some different things there. Uh, Christian Pavone, more talk about him. Chicharito, more talk about uh, him as well. Uh, some big sort of off-season issues that face the LA Galaxy, so we'll, we'll touch on that. A whole bunch of international moves, some wacky rumors that we'll touch on and then dismiss almost immediately. Um, and then looking at the roster, where the LA Galaxy can make some changes to help me do all that. Uh, the panda himself is back, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? There's already some coaching candidates surfacing yeah, in uh, the Galaxy Coaching Church. Yeah, yeah. Which ones? Which ones can we? Ted Lasso. Ted. La- I've heard Ted Lasso's name mentioned. Yeah, you just. It's just because you went and rewatched the first like three episodes of the first season again. You're, you you were. I don't know. It. This guy would bring together the locker room. I think. Yeah, it's a. It, it could be. I mean, you know believe that's what you say and it's the hope that kills you there's a lot of really great lessons that you can take uh from ted lasso so um again i think the the somebody said you know the only reason or the only thing that can really bring this country together right now is is episode number or season number four of ted lasso so um you know they just have to they've already gotten renewed for two and renewed for three so why not just say renewed for four straight on out so that way we can have some hope going on for the next you know four or five years really sort of stretch it out you know how Jason Sudeikis described Ted Lasso? He says a combination of John Wooden and Mr. Rogers. <laughs> that's that's strangely accururate. It is. It is perfect. I think it's perfect. It is. It is very good. All right. Um, Let's get to a little bit of LA Galaxy here. And we're in off-season mode, so that means uh, shows can last anywhere between um, 10 minutes and two hours. Uh, And however that ends up happening is sort of where we'll land. Uh, But I wanted to talk to you because uh, we recorded a show on Thursday night, and obviously the LA Galaxy held a press conference last Wednesday. So uh, Eric and I got to cover a lot of what was said on the press conference, but um, you also were there. I'd like to get your takes just on your general feelings coming out of that press conference and and whether the LA Galaxy have convinced anybody that they are, are back on track. Well, what struck me is Chris Klein and the mea culpa and uh, the thing about, you know, take responsibility. We got to look at everyone's performance. We're going to do a deep dive on this thing and find out where the problems are. When you look at that word, I mean, if you transcribed what he said and look at the words, you know, black type on white paper, that looks good. That looks like exactly what he should be saying. But you know what? I went back and looked at his press conference after the 2017 season. Remember the 18 loss, two coaches season when they didn't make the playoffs, the whole going young and then bringing in Jonathan Dos Santos and Ziggy Schmidt midseason. Anyway, Chris Klein said almost word for word the exact same thing. Take responsibility, raise my hand, I'm the guy, you know, we got to take a hard look at this. He said that four years ago. During that time, Since that time, they've gone through four coaches, 66 players, three general managers, and they're right back to where they were four years ago. So either that deep dive didn't take last time or he didn't mean it, uh, and if he didn't mean it and it didn't work, why should it work this time? I mean, the definition of insanity, right, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Uh, I think they have to do different things to expect different results. It hasn't worked for the last four years. Well, and I think you you made a point sort of in the press conference, too, is, you know, the, the LA Galaxy have brought in 66 players and, and basically four coaches. Um, looking at all those things, how come, you know, how come it didn't work? I'll, I'll say 
that um, I tend to agree that, you know, whenever you have championship success, that some of it is catching lightning in a bottle, right? Certainly. Some of it is just being in the right place at the right time. But a lot of that is how you set your your team up for that success. Um, and so you have to have the right combination of players with the right combination of coaching and everything sort of has to line up for things to be, you know, good. Um, and when things are good, it's because you've been good, um, you know, at, at doing the small things, at getting all the right details and getting everything pointed in the same direction. When things are bad, there tends to be just this general meandering of the club. And I, I think you've been seeing that. There's, 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 no, there's no straight course here, Kevin. There's no, uh, we, oh, yeah, we're back on track. You know, let's right this ship and, and get it pointed in the right direction. For, for too many times, we've heard that, oh, it's righted and it's being pointed in, this, in the correct direction. And, and we've seen nothing. It sort of indicates that, yes, it is on the right direction. I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was was great, Kevin, and, and the things that he did we will probably never see in Major League Soccer again. Uh, having said that, uh, he, the LA Galaxy were not on sure footing just because Zlatan Ibrahimovic was there. That was the right player at the wrong time, um, and he dragged the LA Galaxy kicking and screaming into some sort of quote-unquote success um, that was far from the success, really, that you would expect from the Galaxy. So for me... Um, I'm, I'm just not seeing, you know, a plan. I'm not seeing a plan from Chris Klein. I'm not seeing a plan from Dennis Teclosa. I, I don't see where this LA Galaxy team is headed. And looking at the, the, the contracts that are expiring and the players that are out there, I still don't feel like there's a solid core to sort of build around and, and go forward. Is, is, that, is any of that unfair? No, I, and, and you, you made a couple of good points. The Zolotan thing, um, he did make the team better. He made... He, well, he did make the team better, but I mean, he didn't make the plan better. It was sort of just throw the ball forward for his allotment, and it worked because he was so good. I mean, right. 30 goals. Um, but you didn't see a structure. And if you go back to the uh, early Bruce Arena years, and, and a lot of MLS people will do this, and they'll say, look, the, the Galaxy are all about big players, all about celebrities, all about bringing in the big stars. And not really. I, I had a chance to talk to Tim Laiwiki way before COVID when, uh, you know, David Beckham was getting ready to debut his season. And Tim Laiwiki said, look, when they brought in David Beckham, that was not the guy that was supposed to make them a winner. They needed to get some – David was a midfielder. They needed to get a score. It was Robbie Keane. So the point being, they just didn't go get the biggest names. They got guys that fit together. Uh, they were lucky to get a David and a Robbie that worked together with Landon, and they all fit together, and that's what made that team good. I think the Galaxy still feel like, look, if we just go get big names, if we go get Steven Gerrard, if we go get Zlatan, if we go get uh, Chicharito, it'll work the way it used to. And there was a plan back there in 2011, 2012. There's not a plan right now. And if you talk to people around MLS, as I have, as I have done, owners and general managers and even players, they will tell you Seattle has a, a, a definition and a culture. We know what they're about. We know how they're going to play. Portland does. Um, LAFC does. Atlanta does. All these teams, if Toronto, all the successful teams have a culture. They have a, a, a philosophy of how they do things. And, and their acquisitions and the way they put their team together reflects that. I don't see that with the Galaxy. I, I see at times 11 players, sometimes 11 pretty decent players, but they're not playing together. They don't fit together. And I think that's what's really missing with the Galaxy. It's just they've been throwing things against the wall, hoping they fit, and, and they're not fitting. There's not a – there's not it doesn't seem to be a plan or a culture. And I think that's the problem. And I think that goes back four years, uh, you know, to when Chris Klein talked about we're going to figure this out. They, they didn't figure that part of it out. Yeah, it, there was such a – uh, if you go back to the successful teams for the LA Galaxy, there was such an identity of how the LA Galaxy were going to play – 
um, and then not only just how they were going to play, but whenever there were people who got injured or there were people who you know fell off, there was somebody else who stepped forward um, and was able to fill that. I mean, you look at somebody even like a, a role player like Chad Barrett, um, you know, who was instrumental in getting the LA Galaxy to an MLS Cup and then, you know, breaks his ankle just before an MLS Cup and ends up, you have Adam Chrisman step in um, and is the starter for your MLS Cup victory. I mean, there's there's little things like that, Kevin, where it's like, yeah, you lost a guy, but you have somebody else who knows how you play. You have somebody else who understands what the system is and how they fit into that system. And yeah, you may have to tweak some things a little bit here and there, but overall, the system itself is still as strong, um, even if it's, you know, a a little bit different, is still strong enough to be, you know, sort of these championship teams. You're you're not seeing that with the LA Galaxy. There's drop-offs, massive drop-offs between starters um, and guys who come off the bench. And it's not so much that uh, that the guys who are on the field are so much better that, you know, it's not like you had Robbie Keane and then you dropped down to, uh, you know, uh, God bless him, you know, Chad Barrett, right? I mean, it's not like that was the drop-off that you're like, oh, man, it's just this giant cliff and it's horrible and blah, 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 all these things. It's that you had pretty good players um, on the LA Galaxy right now. You have pretty good players, but then there's, there's not anybody who's even decent underneath that and so it's been a lack of spending i think in like positions 12 to 18 and 12 to 20 and maybe not even spending but a lack of you know identification and recruitment um the la galaxy are not a deep team we knew that the entire time and you saw that suffer in a you know condensed season and even if you have a normal season in 2021, which, you know, Kevin, MLS says they're going to start in March, right? Those are the reports. They say they're going to start in March. They say they're going to do everything the way that they're supposed to do. Um, and we're going to have a relatively unaffected season next year. That's the plan right now. Um, but if it doesn't start that way, uh, you have to look at the LA Galaxy and how they're constructed right now. And can they go through another season where it's a condensed schedule and, and everything's sort of crazy? I, I don't think this team can survive that. Well, and you talk about whether they're going to start in March, and they say they are. And and, and what MLS is saying is the, the, the national team schedule, um, for all national teams, you know, international breaks with Nations League and, and then the Olympics, if that goes forward, and Gold Cup and then World Cup qualifying, that the schedule is just too crowded. Um, but I... I I'm not sure that the the ink is dry on that plan yet because MLS would have to start again with empty stadiums. And we know they get a significant amount of their revenue from game day sales and sponsorships and things. So, um, you know, I'm just not sure that that decision has really been made because it does affect the finances uh, of every team in the league and how they do things. And it affects the media. Uh, Remember they're trying to negotiate now a new media deal coming up. So it, it affects everything. And, we see where the pandemic's going now. Um, I don't anticipate the Lakers and Clippers are going to supposedly open the season next month, and they're going to be playing, uh, granted, indoors, but they'll be playing without fans for the foreseeable future. Um, with where the pandemic is right now, you know, March might not be a place where we can get fans back yet. Yeah, I, I think you're getting close, though. I mean, you know, March, April, May seems like at least on a trajectory and you've been seeing the different venues um you know there's been hints of sort of what was what could be happening with with venues from like aeg and the different things where you know they're going to require basically proof of vaccine and different thing like that in order to actually attend things in person again um and i think you're going to have that play out probably through the next couple of years so i mean i think they're not totally and i think that's what they're banking on is that you know march yeah they may have to play you know three or four games without fans in some of their stadiums in some places it'll probably be 
just like it is now, Kevin, where we've seen limited capacities across, you know, a bunch of different teams, uh, just not here in L.A. Um, so, you know, you, you're seeing that. And so so maybe they're going to turn it. But I mean, that that really goes into, you know, sort of transitioning from the press conference over to, to Christian Pavone, because this has been a big following point and you know we've we've long said that you know if the LA Galaxy want to keep Christian Pavone then they can't be paying 20 million dollars for him that's a non-starter it's not going to happen um and with reports out there now saying it's closer possibly to 10 million dollars um now you're starting to get into I said you know this is almost like it's downright reasonable and I know we talked about this on Thursday but it it really seems that the LA Galaxy do have some leverage here with Christian Pavone but going back to AEG on this AEG has been hemorrhaging cash um, with all of their major concert venues and sports teams and everything, you know, shuttered or, or playing behind closed doors and, and not being able to have concerts and doing all this stuff. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a multi-billion dollar corporation, Kevin, that hasn't been able to really generate any cash whatsoever for really going on almost a year um, by the time maybe this comes back around. Does AEG have the uh, the bandwidth one to invest in the LA Galaxy they have the cash to be able to invest in the LA Galaxy to the tune of a 10 million dollar transfer fee for Christian Pavone well that's a really interesting question and I'll, I'll I'll tell you that I have been writing for months that this was where we were going to end up on this that the 20 million dollar fee I think was a non-starter I think that was Boca Juniors just blowing smoke maybe um you know when when Pavone was playing so well in the summer maybe they thought hey and uh you know, a, a European team might get interested and that $20 million will, will look attractive to them. It was a non-starter with the Galaxy and Dennis DeClosa said that all along. Uh, you know, I, I had written a couple of times that these conversations were going to start around 10 million and that's where we are right now. And that's, that's reasonable. It, can the Galaxy pay it? As you said, that's the other question. Um, you know, there's nobody in the stands. They're losing money. They're not going to get a bump, um, you know, uh, from jersey sales and other things with Pavone. So financially, it's it's a difficult uh it's a tough lift but on the other side talking about the galaxy not having an identity i mean here's a guy who's been your best player uh all season uh he does give we do know what he brings he he he's versatile you know he gets assists he scores goals he can do a lot of things this is a guy that has a chance to give your team an identity and you could set your team up around him. Um, you know, Chicharito may not be the guy that pairs with him. I don't know. You got Chicharito for another $12 million. So you got to work something out. But Pavone is a guy that gives you a chance at a playing style. And Dennis DeClosa, his first two years here, he's had a lot of loans. Uh, and Tuna didn't get to stay. Fabio Alvarez didn't stay. They had to go. This is another loan that was a good player, an attractive loan. Um, you know, if Dennis doesn't that isn't able to keep him, I, I think that starts you, you start to get black marks against Dennis too. And he has Yanni Gonzalez as a loan too. I mean, he, we've got to start turning some of these loan players into guys who stay and give you some you know some production year over year. I, I like Pavone. Is he a ten million dollar guy? I, I actually think that's not a bad price for him, but it may be too high in a pandemic. If this was a year ago or a year from now, um, I don't think it would be a problem. This this might be a difficult uh, a difficult contract to swallow at this time. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. You you really want to dive into this? Um, go follow uh, my good friend John Rojas. Uh, has been all over this uh, this particular story, talking about you know really the fact that uh, Boca would have to pay you know Pavone the same salary it, that he was receiving at the LA Galaxy, which is considerably more than what he was making at Boca whenever he came back uh, or when before he left, and that that is a financial strain to some extent. 
uh, to Boca. Um, there's also the, the fact that the LA Galaxy, again from John Rojas, you know, sort of looking and saying, "Give me a comparable comparable market." right now give me a guy who is of similar talent and has been sold for some sort of uh money since the pandemic has sort of gone through and and right now there doesn't seem to be sort of that that comp right you know whenever you're buying a house kevin you always get the comps from the area around there's like well how much is this house worth if we have these seven sold around it well the la galaxy looking for that comp that comparable player who's sort of sold so that way they can really gauge the market and the bottom line is there hasn't been a lot that has traded hands um in the christian in the christian pavone range since the pandemic started so so they don't have that and because of that they sort of have to break new ground on this well whenever you don't have that comparable there kevin it means that the la galaxy could have a realistic view that that pavone is worth five million dollars and boca juniors could have a realistic view that but that pavone is still worth 15 or 20 million dollars and there's no bridging that gap if you can't sit there and say, listen, we know this is unreasonable and this is what it has to be. Um, Christian Pavone wants to stay in L.A. We know that. So there's leverage there for the L.A. Galaxy that Christian wants to stay. He doesn't want to go back to Argentina. Uh, it's It would be a bit of uh, of a reset for him if he has to go back to Boca Juniors. And we all know that eventually Christian Pavone, who's 24 years old, Kevin, eventually wants to get go to, um, go to Europe as well. So all of these things sort of leaning in Pavone's favor in terms of keeping him happy and, and keeping him in L.A. and hopefully continuing that move um, to Europe if, if all those things can sort of line up. Well, here's a couple of things. I'm not sure. I know that the Pavone wants to stay here was big when GBS was here. I don't know if that's changed since he got fired. I don't think I, it has. I, I mean, De Dennis said specifically both whenever I talked to him on my one-on-one -on -one with him, you know, uh, two Thursdays ago, basically. Um, and he said it in the press conference, too. He knows for a fact that Christian Pavone wants to stay. Um, you're right. It, it may have changed, but Dennis is still telling the same story. Well, and, and here's a couple of things. I mean, if both sides want to get creative... You got to look at this. If you look at the situation from both sides, honestly, um, Boca is le is hemorrhaging money, like like the Galaxy are. They need money. They can't, like you said, they can't afford to pay his salary. So, you know, if they can't get ten million, would they take eight million? Would they take five million? That might be better than nothing. That might be better than taking this guy back at a salary that they can't afford because they are really cash strapped right now. So, um, you know, Dennis might be able to to sort of even bring that price, uh, all, all, it's already half, it's already gone from 20 to 10, you might be able to get that down even further. The other part is, when the Galaxy look at this investment, as you said, this guy's on his way to Europe. He's 24, he's a, an Argentine World Cup veteran. Um, he's going to go to Europe at some point, and he's going to uh, command a pretty steep transfer fee. That's money the Galaxy are going to get back. So maybe the Galaxy cough up money that they don't have now with the hope and belief that they're going to get it back down the road another way that they could get creative is with both sides realizing that we, we could be in this pandemic for a while it could limit the number of games the galaxy play it could limit the the number of fans they're able to play in front of what if they were able to come up with some sort of compromise where look um here's the transfer fee it's eight million dollars we're going to give you eight million dollars um but um it, it structure it in a way that's look if the galaxy play 30 games next season and they're able to play half those games in front of a crowd then Boca gets another million, you know, something like that to, to sort of guard both sides. Boca is going to give him up, give up the player for maybe a little less than market value, but the Galaxy are protected if they have to play the season without fans. Right. Right. And, and there's sell on clauses as well. Right. So maybe you could say that, you know, Boca retains 20 percent of of, uh, of Pavone and you pay him 80 million dollars or 80 million, eight million dollars. 
Um, 80 million sounds like too much. Um, if it, you go $8 million, which sort of values him at $10 million, but you know, if it ever get, if they ever get sold, then there's, there's a whole bunch of things. There's also apparently a court case going on with Boca and, uh, and the team that came from, uh, that the team that Pavone played on previously, I think, uh, Tayeris or T A L L E R E S, I believe is, is what it is. Um, and so they're going to court to sort of sue each other and say, Hey, um, we already prepaid you a whole bunch of money. Um, whenever we, there was a sell on clause, we prepaid it at, you know, two point five million dollars so you already got your money so don't be expecting any more money and so there's a whole bunch of things i mean it, it's a it's a full-on you know uh telenovela at this point in terms of uh, some of the stuff that has happened uh with christian pavone and his previous teams and boca juniors and all these things um and it, it's really interesting because it's a huge piece that the la galaxy are trying to put into place if they do put them in place and i think that regardless of any coach they pick kevin any coach would happily have christian pavone on their team right um, but the, the real question for me is, um, you know, how much of these roster decisions, and we talked about it on Thursday, but you know, there's roster decisions that have to be made by, you know, 1130 on, on November 30th, the LA galaxy have to make decisions on, you know, extending options, um, offer making offers, uh, you know, um, uh, denying options, those types of types of things out of contract players deciding not to offer them, you know, uh, contracts. Um, there's, there's some things that have to happen here fairly quickly and you're doing it without a coach. And that has to be, that, that has to be weighing on everybody that you're, tr you're putting together a team without a coach in place. Well, and, and there are difficult decisions. I believe David Bingham is one of the guys who's out of contract. Now I realize that he may not be the most popular player with supporters, but he is a, a, decent veteran goalkeeper um there's not a lot of those around you got to make that decision by november 30th without really knowing who else might be out there um you can't sign david bingham to a one-year deal presumably as a veteran and, and he's due a raise i mean what do you do about that do, do you believe jonathan klinsman is ready do you think there's another person out there that's just one position um you know it, it's up and down the roster i think ralph felcher's out of contract correct um, yes. So, um, you know, he's one guy they have to look at. Um, there's other guys with options. You're right. I mean, and and it, it, you, it would be nice to have the Pavone thing wrapped up by then so you know how much money you have to spend. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is that with a with a DP, right, you don't you're not necessarily limited on cap space. You're limited on overall cash because eventually AEG is going to say we're not paying any more money. Um, but for the most part, you're, you're not worried about, you know, uh, Pavone fitting into any sort of cap space. You sort of know if he's staying what his cap space hit is because as a designated player, and then you can pay him pretty much whatever you want as long as AEG has the money. Um, right. No, it's not the cap space. It's right. just that, you know, I mean, if, if you decide he's worth $10 million, we're going to pay the $10 million, Well, then maybe you don't have a quarter million to give to Bingham or whoever else you might want to, uh, you know, give that amount of money to. You I, may I, not have that extra money. So, so, so for me... And, and this is how I look at spending on rosters. And you can tell me if you, you agree or not. The discretionary spend is on designated players and on targeted allocation money players, right? We, we realize that that's the extra money that the team has to kick in. For the most part, the LA Galaxy are always going to be 100% up against the, uh, against the salary cap, right? Anybody who fits under that salary cap, the Galaxy aren't going to be leaving money on the table for that salary cap unless they're looking for somebody like mid-season. There's going to be a little bit of wiggle room. But for the most part, there's not going to be a single dollar left on the table for the LA Galaxy whenever they're, whenever they're working the players that are going to fit under the cap. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, and, yeah. And, but I mean, in Dennis's first year, it seems to me, my, my recollection, I don't have the figures in front of me, but my recollection is he spent pretty, uh, you know, a lot of money for Joe Corona. I seem to remember that was a rather expensive contract, especially now that 
Corona is a bench player. Um, Pipo Gonzalez, I know he played well at the end of the season, but wound up being a bench player. He was making a lot of money. He's got another year left. Um, you know, we know what George, Jordan Shelvick was getting and, and uh, presumably still is getting since he, what, he's on loan, right? He mm-hmm. still have to pay him. Well, so, I mean, there's you know, some arguments they, about that. They seem yes. to spend a there just seemed to be um, – they wanted to attract good players that they thought would fit into their system. It didn't really work out, but the point is they spent probably a little bit more than they had to spend to do that. And so now you're filling in with guys like – the Galaxy have gotten really lucky in, in in some ways in that I think some of their lesser paid players, because they're young, because they're academy players, because they were developed you know, homegrown – uh, guys like Zubek, I don't think are costing a ton of money. Julian Araujo, um, 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 uh, yeah, Alvarez, a, a mm. lot of players that probably are not costing them a ton of money and have be- become very useful sort of takes the sting out of some of the players that they've, they've overpaid. But they need to get that balance right. And and that's where, I, again, when you look at a Pavone, yeah, that $10 million that goes to the transfer fee isn't going to affect the salary cap, but I think it does affect how much money the Galaxy want to spend. Well, it was interesting because I'm certainly of the argument that that Christian Pavone is a guy who you're going to spend a lot of money on, and, and in terms of marketing, overall marketing, uh, you're not going to get a ton of return off of him because he's just not a well-known name outside of you know diehard LA Galaxy fans. And listen, everybody who's listening to this podcast knows who Christian Pavone is, and we can make a reasonable assumption how much money he's worth in terms of you know, playing Kevin, but in terms of, of actually marketing, he's, he's, you know, a little bit of a smaller fish in a, in a big pond uh, whenever it comes to, to LA Galaxy signings, you know, certainly whenever you compare him to, to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, um, or if you now, you know, compare him to even Chicharito. And it was interesting because you look at the, they, the two couldn't be more opposite this season, right? You had Christian Pavone who played every minute of every game, uh, scored a bunch of goals, had a bunch of assists, uh, was really the only heartbeat, one of the few heartbeats that was on the LA Galaxy this season. Um, and you have Chicharito, who missed a ton of games, scored two goals total, um, gets paid ungodly amounts of money in terms of MLS size, right? And uh, when you look at the jersey sales, which MLS announced, and I should point out, this is MLS announcing this. Um, they don't tell you how many they actually sold. They don't tell you what dollar amount any of this stuff is. And I'm pretty sure they wouldn't tell you if Zlatan Ibrahimovic still outsold all of the people on the list because he's no longer in the league. But it wouldn't surprise me if Zlatan Ibrahimovic was still outselling uh, most of the guys on the list. But uh, Chicharito, uh, Javier Hernandez finished second on jersey sales, um, which is it's not surprising. Um, but it is surprising because you look at number one and number two, you had Carlos Vela, LAFC, who had number one selling jersey, and then number two was, uh, you know, Chicharito. Uh, both and, and guess who number three was? Who was three? Joseph Martinez. So you, we got three guys who basically didn't play this season. I was going to say. One, two, and three. Yeah, I was going to say, which is, which is why I'm even more convinced now that Zlatan Ibrahimovic still outsold both of them uh, this year and, on, on his and, old jersey. And the league's leading scorer, Diego Rossi, is 17th. Um, you know, so production really doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's a popularity contest. Raul Ruiz Diaz from Seattle is, is number eight. And and by the way, while we're on that, um, just a Seattle thing, again, going back to that thing about, um, you know, a team's personality. And and I know we're going to talk about the Luka Modric thing in a little bit, but again, that galaxy impression that they're about big names. And that's why anytime any European player is rumored to come to MLS, whether it's a fit or not, it's always, he's going to the galaxy, he's going to the galaxy. That's the galaxy's MO. I had a talk with the general manager at the Seattle Sounders a while ago, Garth Langerway, about how he builds his team. And he said, look, our fans don't come out to cheer for jerseys. They don't buy jerseys. Um, you know, they don't come out to see celebrities. They come out to see the team win. And it goes back to what you're talking about 
uh, with Pavone. Yeah, he may not be the most marketable guy, but he's the best player and he helps the team win. And 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 Langaway was talking about, look, we have Raul Diaz, we have uh, Ladero, we have you know people like that who. When we brought them over, the fans didn't know who they were. They didn't know their history, but they saw them play and said, these guys can help us win. I think you look at Atlanta, you know, Al Marone, Yosef Martinez. Um, they you know, they spent a ton of money, though. Let's, no, let, they, but they did. But but my point isn't that they didn't spend money. I know right. they didn't. Seattle did, too. My point is they didn't sign a name. They signed a player, and they brought the player in to win games. Portland's done the same thing, Diego Valeri. Yes. I think sometimes the Galaxy get caught up in – Hey, this Chicharito guy, he's a big name. And and I backed the signing of that. I was a big Chicharito booster. But they look and say, Chicharito's going to come in here. Steven Gerrard's going to come in here. They're going to sell a lot of jerseys. And if we win some games, that would be great. I think they got that backwards. I think it should be the other way around. I, if we I, win I, games, that'd be great. No, see, and I disagree. And and this is this is like this is the So you'd rather finish the last with a whole bunch of celebrities. No, and the, see that's that's the like false argument that everybody puts together all the time. And it's it's a BS argument. Um, the argument isn't that you shouldn't sign that you, yeah, you should absolutely, if, Hey, if you're Atlanta, go out and sign those guys that you signed and, and Hey, you did really well up until a certain point when all your extra allocation money fell off the cliff and you suffered for it and guys got injured and you found out the team wasn't as deep as it was supposed to be. And they did really well together, which is good. You know, everybody's up pumping Philadelphia right now, which again, it's like, Hey, Philadelphia did it the right way. This is the way everybody's going to go. Philadelphia, you know, had a lot of young players and they came forward. I'll tell you right now, Los Angeles is not Atlanta. And it's not Philadelphia. Look at some place like Toronto, where they have where they spent a ton of money on well-known players um, and guys who really can play together, and they had a ton of success. I mean, Seattle works just because absolutely 100% the way that you said it works, right? Which is they're able to go out there and they're able to sign guys who aren't big names, except that they went out and got Clint Dempsey whenever Clint Dempsey was a big name, right? I mean, they do, they still wanted some star power in there, um, but they are certainly not the same as LA. I 100% agree with that. Um, The only argument I've ever made with Los Angeles is that you have to have both things you can't have one thing and not the other how come the la galaxy's attendance went down the second year that zlatan abramovich was here they play better what was what was the difference is that the previous year they didn't play better with the name they didn't create the kind of buzz that they should have created with the name so you didn't have the name and the winning and even in the year where they made the playoffs you still didn't have the winning as much as you should have so it's always the same formula in los angeles and it will probably continue to be the same formula in los angeles is you have to have winning and you have to have stars those are the two things that that continue to draw draw at least for the la galaxy and so going after Chicharito was correct if you thought he was going to be the best footballing guy for you and you knew he was a marketable star. Now, I think the LA Galaxy would have you currently believe, which is, I think, the most ludicrous thing that has possibly ever been said by this club, is that the marketing comes way last, that it's not important. Well, Chris Klein just said that. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the, I, I, it's not even the right answer. Right, I understand the the pushback, and Kevin, you're certainly you know playing to that pushback, which is that you know a lot of the diehard LA Galaxy fans are saying we don't want names, we want a good soccer team, and yes, absolutely, 100 percent true. I understand that for the diehards, but you know how many season ticket holders do the LA Galaxy have? Let's give them best case scenario. They have what 9,500, 10,000. Yeah, it's about half of what LAFC has. So, so, so you're looking at the season ticket holders at 10,000. Right. Or and again, I think I'm being generous. And how many seats? There's twenty five thousand roughly seats at at LA at, at Dignity Health Sports Park. So you have to sell fifteen thousand walk up tickets for every single game. Right. 
Well, you're not doing that with Christian Pavone, no matter how good he is, because nobody knows who Christian Pavone is. You and I will appreciate him. You and I will watch him. The diehard LA Galaxy fans will love him. Okay, all those things will be great, but they won't sell out those 15,000 seats that they need on walk-ups all the time. And so it has to be both. It has to be winning and it has to be stars. And Christian Pavone can be huge if you have another star on the team that's also a very good player. Um, he could play that second fiddle. He can sort of be in there. And listen, I say he's not marketable, Kevin, right? And he still had, what, the 21st highest selling jersey in Major League Soccer? Um, and Jonathan Dos Santos had the 20th? I mean, there's some marketing things in here that are clearly even above my pay grade. But in my mind, you have to have both. Um, and I think the LA Galaxy have missed just horribly on on getting both. Outside of Zlatan, Zlatan was both marketability and play. Absolutely had what, it there. What, what, what if they get creative? I mean, I, again, a guy that we're going to talk about in a minute. You know, you know who's not on here? Sebastian Legette. Here's a guy who has been around for six years now. Um, second on the team in goals and assists. So he's he's a quality player. He's a national team player. He's playing in Hollywood. He's dating a pop star, movie star, and, and Becky G. I mean, he seems to have a lot of things going for him that would make him a box office straw. And I don't see them marketing him at all. I mean, yeah, you can you can certainly question the marketing on him. Um, you know, I think he he fits in that perfect sort of role player the LA Galaxy have always sort of had, which was U.S. Men's National Team player, as you said, um, and and a real solid guy. But he's not flashy. He's not going to score the most amount of goals. He's not going to draw these these huge crowds. I mean, you know, it almost feels like the time of the star U.S. Men's National Team player that was playing in Major League Soccer has, has sort of passed us by, right? Because the LA Galaxy used to have somebody, you know, called Landon Donovan, um, who who was sort of a star. He was a star. He was a well-known U.S. Um, U.S. Men's National Team player. Uh, he drew fans. And when you added him and David and Robbie Keane, and by the way, Robbie Keane wasn't even, a, I don't think, a huge name here in the United States. But the fact that he was playing with David Beckham and the fact that he was playing with Landon Donovan, um, and, and listen, people are going to give me crap for this, but this is this is local to Los Angeles. This isn't outside the world where everything else, where everybody understands who Robbie Keane was. But in Los Angeles, the fact that he was on that team made him a star in Los Angeles because we saw that in his MVP years, Kevin. We saw it whenever he would come out that he was a draw, that people wanted to be at the stadium whenever he was there. And I think that, you know, that's one of the guys who maybe wasn't the most well-known name in the world. Certainly in world soccer, everybody knew who he was. But in Los Angeles, that wasn't the case, but he grew into it. Right. But you needed sort of the star power of, of David Beckham. You need the star power of, of, of Landon Donovan to create that. I, I agree with you. I think that they miss marketing opportunities all the time. Like, how are you not just pumping up, you know, your local guys like Julian Araujo? How come he's not on every billboard um, right now? Because that guy's going to be a star and he's just absolutely connected with the community. I mean, this is a guy who should be, you know, as as, as big or bigger than almost anybody on that team right now. Yeah, and I don't even see them. Mar- I mean, you talked. We talked about this last time, and you said you saw some beer commercials or something. I, I don't even see Chicharito or Jonathan Dos Santos out there that much. I do see them on the Galaxy billboards, which is what the team is doing. But I don't see a hue and cry in the community to uh, to get these guys involved in any projects or any supermarket openings or anything like that. By the way, with Sebastian Lejet, he did score for the national team today. His third goal as a national team player, and his first goal. First of three international goals that was not scored in Earthquake Stadium. His first two both scored in San Jose. 
So yeah. this is his first first goal ever in Europe. I mean, I mean, the fact is that if the the U.S. men's national team starts playing the way that some people expect them to play, and Sebastian Lejet plays an integral role on that, then his star certainly will rise. Um, but you know, I'll tell you right now, there aren't a lot of people I think that are super excited for Sebastian. He had a good year this year. I mean, we should point that out. He trended up and he did some things that he was supposed to be doing. Having said that. I don't think there's a bunch of fans out there who were just thrilled with everything Sebastian Legette this year. I actually think that in terms of the diehards, Sebastian Legette took a step backwards um, with a lot of fans. And and there's a lot of reasons for that. But at the same time, you're, you're looking at a guy. If he can be an integral part of, you know, the the international game, you know, and, and being put on these big stages and being played in a World Cup and, and all these things that sort of can lead to um, possibly a, a, you know, an increased star for him, then, yeah, I mean, he could be he could be a really big name for the L.A. Galaxy. He's just not right now. Um, did you watch the game today, by the way? I, d- I got to watch some of it. I didn't get to watch all of it. What, what did because you? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, Sebastian is a unique player in that, like you say, he's not a big star. He's not flashy. He, he's a work. He's a, a, a worker bee. You know, he's a blue collar guy, but he's also versatile. I see him as a guy that could have a future with this young European based national team that Greg Berhalter is putting together. A guy that would be on the bench, come off the bench, provide some leadership. Um, maybe not play a ton of minutes, but the point I'm getting to is how many MLS players do you think have a future with this team? I mean, maybe a Jordan Morris, but it's clearly going going to a European core now. They're playing a different style of soccer, um, much different than you see with a lot of MLS teams. Uh, I mean, I know I'm sure people are going to throw a million names out there now, but uh, you know, Jordan Morris, maybe a Giassi's artist. There's mm-hmm. uh, maybe Josie Altador could right. could get back in there. I, I don't know that I see a ton of guys that are going to be um, stars or even starters. You yeah. know, for this national team coming out of MLS. Yeah, no, it's 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 an interesting time, certainly. And I think that uh, first of all, there will be more MLS players on this roster than people will will, will think. Mostly because Walker, Walker Zimmerman. I mean, th- you know, see, he's see a you can solid center back. All, all of a sudden, you start. You've now named like six people who will probably be on that team. I mean, like I said, there's going to be a considerable amount. Now, whenever it gets down to the 18-man roster, how many of those guys see it? Um, you know, I think that that Sebastian Legette is a guy who could be a bridge. I'm calling all the the players not. You know, I think Sebastian Legette today uh, ruined a lot of U.S. men's national team like narratives. Um, they were oh, it's the young kids, and then you know, Legette comes in and scores a goal, and it's sort of like, well, we'll just forget about that because it's all about the young kids. Yeah, I did. I just wrote around it. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, to me, it's sort of like, no, no, there's going to be important MLS players that are going to play very important integral roles on this on any sort of U.S. men's national team, and you know, look at Julian Araujo, who has a possibility of being U.S. men's national team, or or Mexico. Look at Efrain Alvarez, who has a chance, you know, on a on a younger, youngish uh, core, possibly for Mexico. Um, as well. So, I mean, there's some players on this LA Galaxy team who I think are going to be playing some roles in the next World Cup. Um, and I think there's going to be some guys who are bridges. And right now, Sebastian Legette is sort of caught in between, you know, the old guard and the new guard. And he wasn't part of the old guard and he's not part of the new guard and he's in between there. Um, and you sort of saw that he still has something to offer. Um, we'll see if that continues. But I mean, there's a big question here. The LA Galaxy tamed him uh, at the beginning of this year, Kevin. Um, so he's making, you know, targeted allocation money funds. And I would argue that while he had a very successful year, that I feel like his star is starting to fade in Los Angeles. And so if you're the LA Galaxy, is it time to move on from him? Do you sell high? Jared Dubois, my old co-host, used to say, sell high, always sell high. 
well, right now, for what from what you've seen from Sebastian Legette, are you do you even take the chance and do you say, hey, maybe this is a chance we get to move him um, at a salary that maybe is a little bit too high to to keep him long term? I mean, those are the types of questions that are certainly going to be popping up in this offseason. Well, back in and this is a name that you don't even know. Back in the days when Buzzy Bavese was with the Dodgers, the philosophy always was in the front office, trade a guy a year too too early rather than a year too late, um, which is I guess another way of saying sell high. Um, you know, I expect Efrain Alvarez and, and Joey Araujo to really get um, uh, pressured by the Mexican national team and maybe Ricky Ledesma, who played on the U.S. national team um, in Europe this weekend, or this week rather. And the reason I say that is when you look at the Mexican team, they were one of the oldest teams in Russia at the last World Cup. And you look at the team that they took to Austria to play uh, South Korea, and they have another friendly coming up. It's it's still a very, very old core. They and and they're going to wake up one day and realize everybody on the team is over thirty. Right. Um, they're going to have to fill in behind that, and, and that's going to happen really quickly. And I think Mexico is going to come to guys like Efren Alvarez and and Ledesma and Julian Araujo and say, "Look at these guys they have there." You, Julian Araujo, do you really want to play right back? You get, are you better than Sergio Dents? Uh, you know, or can you play uh, uh, on the other side with a uh, Reggie Cannon or, or you know Tyler Adams, whoever they might put over there? Um, you know, and I think Mexico is going to come and say, look, you have a place for you could start over here if you come right. and, and, and join our team. And I think that selling uh, is going to start real soon because this this American team looks like there's very few holes in it. And if you're an MLS player, probably be wise to start looking at your options now. Well, Dennis DeClose talked about how congested the schedule will be in uh, 2021 with all the international games, World Cup qualifying, all those things that are sort of going to lead um, up to just some some crazy, crazy year. I mean, you know, we thought 2020 was crazy, and I think it'll probably still be the craziest year we've ever gone through. Um, certainly in my limited lifestyle of, you know, 39 years, 40 years, it, it, it is. Um, but we'll see what 2021, I think, has some surprises for us as well. And the congested nature of all the fixtures that are going to get pay, played in 2021 is going to be is going to take a real toll on, you know, on the LA Galaxy. Uh, we talk about and, and Dennis talked about it because he was talking about international players. He goes, understanding that they're going to be gone and we're probably going to have to play through, uh, you know, their absences. You can't have, you know, 12 guys who are international players and your whole starting lineup and all of a sudden it's an international break and MLS plays through it, Kevin, and you have no nobody left on the field. Um, so they're looking at that. I mean, you look at Sebastian Legette, U.S. men's national team. You have uh, Rolf Felcher, who played for Venezuela, um, and he lo- he was in a one nothing loss to Brazil. Actually, really respectable for Venezuela, whenever you think about it, um, playing against Brazil. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos is, is away with Mexico. We talked about Efrain Alvarez, I think, is with the U-20s in Mexico. Julian Araujo is being courted by the U.S. men's national team and Mexico. Uh, People Gonzalez didn't play in Costa Rica's friendly, but People still has another year left on his contract, and he's expected to be playing in Costa, you know, with Costa Rica um, for those things. So there's a whole bunch of guys on this team who have national team ties. And, you know, whether you like some of these guys or not, there's a lot of starters that I mentioned whenever I was going through this. And so uh, the LA Galaxy have to prepare for that as well. It's just a, another sort of piece of the puzzle that, again, you'd probably like to have a coach in play. And, and I don't think the LA Galaxy should rush it. Um, but also understanding that 2021 might not be a normal season either. Um, you know, I'm still leaning heavily in the Dominic Kinnear camp, which is he knows who, who the players are. He knows what the holes are. Let him work with Dennis and and let them fix things starting now, which is, you know, you could easily make a deal with with uh, Dominic Kinnear this week. Kevin, you could you could do it this week and it could be done and you could be ready to rock and roll up for the 1130 roster decisions. 
And he would attract a lot of players. I mean, the players do like him. And it's one of those things where you know what you're getting with Dominic Kinnear. Um, there's a good side to that and a bad side to that. Um, but you know what you're getting. And I think it's time for the Galaxy to start to stop guessing and shooting for the moon and take the solid option that's right in front of them. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, and then, but there's there's a cross argument to that as well, Kevin, which is we're going to scour the earth, we're going to find the best manager and the best person for the job, and you and you have Dominic Kinnear in, you know, less than a couple of weeks. I realize that kind of almost regardless of whether the LA Galaxy make a quick decision or a long decision, that there are criticisms that come with both of those, and I don't think there's any way to escape that, mostly because they've been horrible. If they had been good um, at any point and made some some very good decisions, you can probably cut them break, but, but for right now where they're at, um, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, let's go a little bit to this crazy wacky See, rumor. This makes yeah, but, go ahead. But this whole this whole thing with national team call ups. I mean, see, this makes Chicharito more valuable because I don't think he's going anywhere. No, he's but not. I, I was interested. We talked to, we talked about this for the show. Jonathan Dos Santos. We know he's injured. We know people are getting COVID all over the place. We know Europe is a is a dangerous place to travel to right now. That's why um, the U.S. women's national team they're going to the Netherlands for a camp later this month, and they had to get special dispensation just to fly into the Netherlands without quarantining. Um, two of the LAFC players that the Ecuadorian national team are two of six players for Ecuador that, that have COVID are now in quarantine. I don't understand why the Galaxy let Jonathan not only leave before the last game, but fly all the way to Austria if he wasn't going to play. And he gets there and they say, you're not going to play, you're injured. What was the point of that? I, I, yes, he wasn't going to play for the Galaxy. I get it. But it just seems like that was not a wise decision. I don't know. I just I it's almost like I refuse to put brain capital into that particular decision. It's just like that so doesn't matter to me in the in the long. Everybody seems to be very interested in what Jonathan Dos Santos does in his in his off time. Everybody seems to be very interested in what Chicharito does in his off time. And for the most part, I don't want to waste brain space on either of those things. Um, Chicharito plays video games. Yeah. See, I mean, that's that's like, why do I care? That's that's why should I have to care? It's I don't I think I'm getting old, Kevin. I think I'm getting old and crotchety, and I don't care about. Chicharito, get off my lawn. Yes, basically, that's where I think I'm at. But I mean, you know, the the people who think that, and and let's get to the the. Let me dismiss wacky rumor. Luka Modric is not coming to the LA Galaxy for twelve million dollars, and he's not. He's thirty five years old. He's not coming for twelve million dollars. If you thought that was real, it was. It must have been a fun morning for you. And then in the afternoon, you you probably figured out that no, it wasn't true. Um, Or by the way, who knows if it's true or not true? It just doesn't. It never reached the real sort of. Well, twelve million makes a ton of sense to have Luka Modric here. You know and. I would like to preface this by saying I don't know whether it's true or not, and I would imagine that it's not. It seems ridiculous. Um, but at twelve last, million, last time they signed a thirty-five-year-old European, it worked out really well. Yeah, well, yes, and they also paid one point five million dollars for him in the first year of that of that deal, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of things that can happen, and this is why I do a very poor job, or at least I, I guess I don't sink as much interest into trying to predict who's going to become available and who the LA Galaxy should go after, because a name like Modric could show up. It could absolutely happen, and Kevin, it could show up, and maybe they were talking he was going to come on a three-year deal, and it was going to be six million, or you know, and it was going to be uh, th- you know uh, four million dollars a year, and you know he's going to be here until he's thirty-eight, but it's a you know a, a playmaker the LA Galaxy make. I mean, you know, you'd never know what the details are. We get surprised all the time with these things, but looking at this one and trying to draw lines between how it would make any sense, you sort of sit there and say, I mean, yeah, the Galaxy need a player like him. 
I'm sure they would like a younger player than him, but having, you know, having seen him play and, and sort of watched him play, you know, in, in these recent years, he probably still has enough in the tank but, to be able to play for Major League Soccer, but at $12 million a year, does that make any sense? But step, you got to step back and say, wait, we have one designated player spot open. $12 million is a designated player salary. So do we want Christian Pavone or do we want Luka Modric? Yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely and, correct. You know, that, that's a no-brainer. But you're right about, I mean, in covering this team, it's bizarre. Um, uh, I remember when the the uh, Steven Gerrard rumors came up. It's like, he's not coming here. And the next thing you know, he's coming here. Uh, Gio Dos Santos was a little bit the same thing. I'm sure, you know, when David Beckham signed it, uh, I wasn't here then. I was still in Miami. But I'm sure that must have been sent shockwaves through. You just look at those and you say... There's no way that's going to happen. And then you wake up and that guy's in a uniform on the field. So you can, with the Galaxy, unfortunately, you can never say no. But again, that fits back into that personality of, are the Galaxy, do you look at the Galaxy and say, this does not make sense to the team they're putting on the field. It doesn't fit their personality. Or do you say, yeah, I can see them going after a European superstar. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you can make arguments both ways, and it just goes back to the fact that this team does not have a culture or personality right now. If you want, if if you're being, if you're putting realistic dollar amounts on on a, a Luka Modric deal, right? If you if Modric's just going to come to the to the LA Galaxy, and you put a realistic dollar amount on that, would you say I I would sit there and say, yeah, I I get it, I know why you want to do it, and it makes some sense, and you can probably go out and make that deal if it was a realistic dollar amount. It's not. It's twelve. It's not a realistic dollar. So we you you have to always um i always say the money is the most important part of any deal right because if i told you the la galaxy re-signed um you know sebastian legit you can sit there and go okay great you know that makes a lot of sense right yeah sebastian legit is a good player and the la galaxy want to keep him on there he's not great he's not the superstar but he's he's not he's not horrible either he's a very very good player and he's been around this team long enough that it would be you know a good move for them so you can say that and i said okay well the la galaxy are going to pay him four million dollars a year all of a sudden, that deal that you sat there and said, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you sit there and go, what were they thinking? No, that can't make any sense. You can't pay Sebastian Legit $4 million a year. That doesn't make any sense. He's now a designated player. How does that even fit into things? It's always about the money. And so getting a 35-year-old you know, European, I'm fine with it. I don't have age limits. I would love it. <coughs> I would love it if the LA Galaxy go out and get guys who are, you know, 28 and 29 and spend, you know, 10, 12 million dollars on them. That's great, too. Um, but, you know, at 35 years old, if you're going to spend, you know, a million and a half dollars and this person is going to come in and be a 10, you know, a, a, the number 10 that you've sort of been missing that that playmaker that you're missing. It makes some sense. You can't just dismiss things based upon age. Um, you really have to look at things more based upon money. And that's the only way these things ever make sense. Well, well OK, so based upon money. When you look and discounting the young players like Julian Araujo, right? Who is the most cost-effective player? Uh, I don't want to say the most uh, underrated or underpaid or whatever. The, the most cost-effective player, I think it's Daniel Steris. Uh, there's a good argument to that. Um, let's see, Steris at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and he's a starter, and he's your center captain, back, and he's the captain, and he can do that. Yeah, I mean that makes some sense. Um, and by the way, the one hundred and fifty was from the twenty nineteen. I don't even know um, what it is um, for twenty twenty, and the MLS Players Union is not going to release that information. It seems like this year. So I think you can make a case for Zubik, but I put him in that young, you know, uh, player development category. Uh, a pathway. I guess Steris could be in there too, but you know he and Sebastian Legetto are the only te- guys left from the last uh, 
um, Bruce Arena team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Stairs isn't even young anymore. I mean, that's that's not really an argument, is it? You can't you can't say that he's part of a young player group. I mean, Julian Rojo, Nefarian Alvarez, and Cameron Dunbar, um, and Kai Kareniuk, and you know Carlos Harvey, um, and even Jonathan Klinsman are the young guys. Um, you know, on this team, even Nick Depew is probably a little bit younger. Skews a little bit younger than some of those. So um, you could put that in there. But I mean, yeah, cost effective. I mean, that's what you always sort of look at. And you know, for me, Stairs is one of those guys you know um i'm sort of looking at some of the other guys on there you, you wouldn't say you know joe corona makes you know over a half a million dollars so no you know, i don't think you're gonna go there perry kitchen at 450s probably i think he's a little if he played like he did under dominic kinnear the last three games um and really maybe the last month of the season maybe 450 ends up being reasonable for where he's at i think if he stays with the la galaxy he's one of those guys who you'd have to uh, probably pull back on his salary a little bit to give yourself some some room on some other guys uh zubak is making 75 he gave he he's seventy five thousand dollars in 2019 he did give you two goals um during the season but he also gave you a lot of minutes where he did relatively little so um, I don't know if you you go with that. I mean, Julian Araujo, Julian. I, then you know that would, that again would get into your young players. Who's not a yeah. young player, right? I mean, Julian Araujo in 2019 showed an eighty six thousand dollar you know wage fee. I mean, come on, what you're getting out of that right now would be a a big thing. You know, even Efrain Alvarez at seventy five thousand and twenty nineteen dollars, um, you know, is is a good deal. Um, when you look at some of those, but again, and, you, and when you talk about Steris's age, I don't think I want a young center back. I think I'd like a late twenties center back. I don't want some green kid. There, I haven't seen. Uh, you know, I mean, I think center back is one position that really you have to use the gray matter and the experience and having seen things before. I think you want a guy. To, I think Steris is a good age for a center back, actually. The uh, the your center backs can be a little bit older, right? They're not in the speed yeah. positions on the outside, so they can be a little wily. You know, whenever Greg Burhalter uh, was in there playing for the LA Galaxy, he was the wily veteran. He wasn't as quick as he used to be, but he still knew how to take the angles. Um, and, and he harassed people whenever he needed to harass people. It was, it was always fun to watch him, you know, um, Eddie Lewis sort of def- redefined some of that stuff. Um, you know, Todd Donovan, uh, you talk about that. I mean, even if he's on an outside position, Todd wasn't the fastest guy, but he wasn't the slowest guy there and sort of could take the, the, the right, uh, the right angles towards things. So yeah, I mean, you know, defense and goalkeepers, they can be a little bit older in, in the center of midfield. You're probably, you probably don't want a 35 year old Luka Modric as he's getting older and he's not as, as, uh, as mobile as he used to be. Um, but you know, Pirlo played in, in, in major league soccer. So, um, and basically he didn't move and he played on the world's tiniest field. So, I mean, there's ways to fit everybody into a roster, uh, whenever you look at it. Um, I just think that, you know, obviously the biggest off season thing that we have to watch here, Kevin, is what the LA galaxy are going to do for a coach. And not only that, but, I think the, the the part two to that, what are you going to do for a coach, is how you make decisions without that coach. Um, and, and really, there's going to be, again, roster decisions that are going to be made, and they're going to be made without a coach. And it happened before, whenever, you know, Guillermo Scalotto eventually came on with the LA Galaxy. Dennis DeCloso was brought in late into that sort of process. Um, they hired a general manager first, but was already sort of behind the, the behind the ball whenever it came to getting through that first, you know, the option decline and the contract pickups that are going to happen here again, um, you know, on November 30th. So there is not a lot of time for anybody to sort of get spun up. And those decisions have 
real consequences whenever you go down um, and look for things. I, I'd also like to point out that Jorgen Shelvik, who is still technically on loan with the LA Galaxy, um, did get called up to the to the Norwegian uh, international team. Uh, and I was sort of asking around if that was because he suddenly got very good. And the answer was no. They needed an all um, an all internationally based um, Norwegian team to be able to play in some of the uh, the friendlies, and so they they got Jorgen Shelvik, so he's he's going to be playing on the Norwegian well, yeah, team. But it wasn't because I, of form. I saw that uh, Ola Kamara was not on that team. He was with DC United, right? So he would have been eligible to be called up because they're out of the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, I, now, I, I believe so. Yep. Now, what what do you know about this November thirtieth uh, deadline for for giving options out? And the reason I ask is, does that include playoff teams? Because if it doesn't. No. No, it, it, it depends if you're uh, if you've been eliminated from the playoffs, then yes, it does. Or actually, I think there's even a later date on it. I'd have to go back and look at the press release. That, that is so screwy because it doesn't allow teams to know who is going to be out there. So, for example, if you theoretically want to get rid of Joe Corona because you're going to pick up a, a, a guy who you think is going to get released by the Chicago Fire, you have no way of knowing if if that's going to happen. Um and, well, I guess fire is not going to be in the playoffs probably by November 30th. But, you, 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 I mean, it just makes it so difficult to do that. And then at the same token, if all teams were under the November 30th deadline, could you imagine telling a guy, hey, we're not giving you a contract for next year, but you're going to start next week in the conference final? I mean, you know, what motivation does that player have to go out and play then when you've already told them that we don't want you back? Um, this is just another goofy thing that MLS does that – they, if there's a rhyme or reason to it, they certainly haven't explained it, and it, and it doesn't make much sense to me to do it that way. Why not just wait two more weeks and everyone can do it at the same time? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always been um, because it gets extended so far out. I mean, I remember whenever the LA Galaxy, um, you know, they would win an MLS Cup, Kevin, and I think like the within three days of winning the MLS Cup, they had to come out with their option declines um, and pickups. Right. And so I have to imagine the teams already know who they're going to pick up in terms of the team itself. They know who's going to be picked up and who's not. Right. And then basically they wait till playing is over and, and they get it done. I mean, I, I guess you could wait for everybody to be done, but it probably limits the notification that the players probably would want um, whenever that comes down. And, you know, again, some of these are, are, are I think if you're the L.A. Galaxy, you have some options out there. Um, that are coming up, but I don't know that any of them, any of these are super hard decisions to make. You're just going to make them without a coach, um, which means that, you know, on some of these guys, maybe there is um, something that maybe you could fit a different piece in. I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at somebody like Joe Corona. Do you pick up Joe Corona's option? I mean, we don't know what the money is, Kevin, but do you pick up Joe Corona's option, who's a targeted allocation money player? Uh, he made $550,000 in 2019. Are you going to go out and pick up his option? I think that's a real case of you have to look and figure out if you can upgrade in those positions and what money you can save in those. And I don't know that Joe Corona is 100% the answer. Now, you might say that, um, you know, maybe you're going to keep one of Joe Corona or Perry Kitchen. They play two different positions, technically, both in the midfield, but one's more defensive, one's a little more box-to-box, -box, uh, a little more offensive sway maybe on, on, on Joe Corona as well. But you have a chance of being out of both of those guys, and if you got rid of both of those guys, you suddenly have all close to a million dollars to to open up 
in the center of midfield? And can you do something with a million dollars differently than you were going to do with Joe Corona and Perry Kitchen? I mean, well, if you do that 12 times, you could get Luka Modric. <laughs> see, all you, basically, you just need two players. I should be a GM. Yeah, you, you should absolutely. So, I mean, there's a bunch of we went over the contracts, but, um, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos seems like he's signed through 2021. Uh, Christian Pavone's loan expires in 2020. Uh, you know, Javier Chicharito Hernandez, I believe, is signed through 2022 um, for a three year deal. And there's possibility there might even be an option on the end of that, which I could thought be. the option was the third year. I thought it was two in an option. But it, in any it, case, he's back next year. Yeah, he's back next year. He's coming back next year. Uh, Sasha- Bing, Bingham Kitchen and Rawford. Def- yeah, Bingham uh, Kitchen and Rawford definitely out of contract. And, yes. and Pepo has one more year left. And Question and, has an option. Corona has an option. And Bingham and Kitchen. I'd have to look at it, but one of those two guys is probably a free agent um, as well, just because they're uh, they've put in a lot of years into this league. I would have to imagine that Bingham probably Kitchen might be free agents. Um, I'd have to go look at the regulations because you need a certain amount of service, uh, you need a certain amount of of a whole bunch of different things, a certain amount of years, and then you know you having and you have to be of a certain age at the same time in order to be for free agents. So it would be one of those you have to take a look at. So I mean, there could be some motivation there. Uh, you talked about Rolf Felcher. I, I don't think the LA Galaxy bring him back at two hundred and forty two thousand of twenty nineteen dollars. Um, I don't think there's a there's a real appetite to sort of keep Rolf around. So uh, that's not happening. Dan Stare has just resigned. Uh, we know Insua just signed this year, so he probably has it at least two years, which is 2021, could possibly be three years, 2022. Uh, Yoni Gonzalez, his loan expires. I don't know that you saw enough to sort of go back and say that, you know, you have to have him uh, for next year because I didn't see enough um, out of him to make that. So um, there are some some questions here the LA Galaxy have to make, and they have to make them quickly. And I just feel like... I don't feel like there's a lot of uh, of of light at the end of this LA Galaxy tunnel right now, and and even even if you do something which I think would be a smart move, which is to get Dominic Kinnear in there, I believe that you will that there's a there's a good chance the LA Galaxy are an improved team, but um, without sort of understanding the roster moves that they're going to have to make in this offseason, it would be real hard for me to sort of jump back and say I feel confident about this team because I felt confident about this team this year. Um, and you see where that that sort of well, goes. You know, one thing with the Dominic Kinnear thing, maybe it could get really interesting. And when I look at all those names and the positions that we talked about, I really think goalkeeper is the biggest question. And the reason I say that is there's just not a lot of goalkeepers that seem to be available year to year. Now, the Galaxy may have a lead on somebody they really want. Um, but it, let's just say for the sake of argument, say they don't. So maybe Bingham, who I know, again, a lot of supporters don't like him, but he's a solid guy. He's a veteran. He's going to cost a lot of money to bring back, and I don't think you bring him back on a one-year deal. I don't think it's, let's try to get through this season. I think Bingham would want a couple-year deal at least and probably more money. Do you invest that in him knowing that he's had, you know, three shaky years here? Well, maybe one way you do that is you say Dominic Kinnear had him in San Jose during his very best seasons when he was a national team goalkeeper. Hey, Dom, what do you think if you become our coach? Is this, you know, can you work with this guy? Um, that's where maybe one instance where getting Dominic on board quickly, if that's the way they go, can actually help you make some of those decisions. I don't think you make a big decision without Dominic if that's where you're going to go eventually. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time. All right. Uh, not a lot coming up. Uh, there will be show uh, show number 800 on Thursday night. Again, we're not really doing much for that. Um, I have uh, one guest. How, in come, how come I'm never the milestone shows? I'm because, show 799. Because you're the odd show, both in terms of uh, <laughs> attitude, personality, and numbering. So you were the, I'm, you're I'm the odd quirky. show. I'm quirky. Yeah, that's, I've been told that. That's what I've been told. Um, so you, you're, you always get... You're, 
Congratulations, seven ninety nine, Kevin. You did it. You did. Do you it. know there there was a scene in one of the first Ted Lassos where um they have to decide whether they want to be a panda or a lion. I I remember that, and I did think of you, which is ridiculous. I shouldn't have to think about you that much uh, in my <laughs> in my everyday life. So I was glad to make the show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Uh, I chose. I chose Panda. By you the chose. Way. I, I knew you would, and and we saw how that turned out in Ted Lasso. So I'm not, I'm not exactly convinced that that was the right. The lion was definitely the correct choice. Um, the yeah. Zlatan had it right, as 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 is normally the case. Uh, anything else you want to touch on? I, mean, I was going to say there's not much that's sort of coming up this week. Uh, I was told that if the LA Galaxy do exit interviews, there's a possibility it could be this week. Uh, I just don't think they have the stomach for it. I don't think they're going to do it. So, hey, maybe they'll prove me wrong when they'll do exit interviews um, because I, I know that I would certainly like to talk to some of the players and sort of find out, um, you know, what their thoughts are and sort of wrapping up the season and what their thoughts are for next season, uh, whether they'll be back or not. I mean, this is the time when you really get to answer those questions, and uh, and I just don't think that's going to happen. So, but if yeah. they did that, I mean, they would totally be tipping their hand on who's exiting, right? I mean, they don't know. I mean, sometimes the players don't know because the decision hasn't been made. But you could certainly, you know, talk to somebody. And, and granted, we, we sort of know with Sasha Kleshin, um, you know, he has an option up for 2021. He's already talking. And if you saw, he tweeted out today and sort of said, hey, it didn't end the way that we wanted to. We only played, you know, in front of, in front of the fans for one season. But I felt the love. And he goes, and we're going to fix this together next year. Now, if you want to read into that, you could say that Sasha Kleshin's coming back and his options been picked up for 2021, right? And that he could be coming back. But of course, anybody's going to say that right now. Um, that's not necessarily, you know, something that's uh, that's bad. But I have a good feeling that Sasha Kleshin's going to be back for 2021. And I think that's the correct move. I know there's lots of people who disagree. Um, and that'll be fine. You can disagree. Uh, I just know what happens a little bit of what happens inside that locker room. And I know that Sasha Kleshin is an important part of that. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you could ask somebody like, you know, Joe Corona, you know how this is, Kevin, nobody ever wants to tell us when contracts are up and nobody ever wants to tell us, you know, sort of what contract situations are and exit interviews are the one time when you get, really can ask those questions and find out those things. Hey, Jonathan Dos Santos, you have a year left on your, your contract, right? Yes. I, yes, I do. Okay, cool. Well then, um, you know, are you planning on coming back? Has there been any talk about you possibly renegotiating your deal so that way you can stay longer? So that way you're not a designated player? So that way you're just a targeted allocation money player? I mean, these are the questions that you could sort of get into, but only in exit interviews does that really make sense. Well, and I think this information should be public, not just because I think all information should be public and not because it helps me as a journalist, but for fans. I mean, this way fans can hold the front office's feet to the fire. If if they don't know um you know, what the salaries are, who's back, what this, you know, if they can't see over Dennis's shoulder and Cl Chris Klein's shoulder and know what information they're looking at when they make these decisions, then the fans really don't know if these are good decisions or not. I mean, if, if they let Joe Corona go um, and we don't know what his salary was, we can look at that and say, well, that was a good decision or a bad decision. We don't, we don't know. I just think this information should be public. I think fans love that stuff. You see it in other sports. Hey, this guy's not worth his contract. We're going to trade his contract to get a cheaper guy. All those things that fans talk about, we can't do that in, in MLS because that information is all so closely held. It's like it's, you know, Fort Knox and we can't be told. We can't be, you know, they don't trust us with this information and i think that's a mistake yeah it, it gives us an incomplete picture and then we can end up being 
overly harsh on somebody. Maybe maybe Sebastian Legette has a contract that if he plays next year, he's going to get you know $3 million a year. Well, all of a sudden, you getting rid of Sebastian Legette makes a lot more sense than if you just sort of sold him real quick and everybody's like, wait a minute, that was a guy who was really important to the team, right? I mean, you could you can make that argument. Um, you know, you can go back to AJ De La Garza whenever AJ De La Garza was traded. What the numbers were and what the numbers are in that would have been an important context to understand if that was reasonable or not. Uh, the LA Galaxy took the brunt of that, and quite honestly, they deserved to take the brunt of it because the details were never sort of put out. I don't know if it makes any sense. In fact, I have a pretty good feeling it didn't make sense. But because you don't know the numbers, Kevin, because you don't know the contract situation, you just are based. You get to base that off of emotion more than anything else. Um, and so I, I think that they do themselves a disservice. And it also feels like they don't want to be held accountable. I mean, this is all of MLS, by the way. Uh, they, yeah. also, they don't want to be held accountable. They don't want people knowing that information. So you can't sit there and criticize and second guess um, and, and make, by the way, and make suggestions. I mean, you know, can you can can Galaxy fans figure out how to fill out the, the roster that, you know, the cap space roster? You can't because you don't know the numbers. Well, let me give you a, a, maybe a, a I don't know what's it's not a metaphor. I don't know what the hell it is. But um, if you go to a movie, you're not invested in that movie. You want to see the movie. You enjoy the movie. You like the plot. You like the actors. But you don't really care what Warner Brothers are, whoever paid them. And and you have no financial uh, incentive one way or the other. I think with a supporter of a sports team, you're invested in that team. You buy the jersey. You're a season ticket holder. You identify as somebody from the LA riot squad or whatever. It's on your Twitter, um, uh, you know, profile. It, that's who you are. You are part of the team. And I think when when MLS the MLS acts more like a movie company, we will put on a production for you. You can come and see it, but we're not going to share with you any of the relevant information. Uh, I, I think that's a big mistake. If you're a Dodger fan, you know that Justin Turner is a free agent this year. You know he came on the field with COVID. Maybe it's time for him to go. You know that he's 35. You know that Jock Peterson is a free agent. You know all these things, and you know a little bit about the salaries. You can play general manager and think along with your team. I think with MLS, it's more like they want you to cheer for Gone with the Wind, and that just doesn't work. <laughs> uh, all right, let's wrap it up there. Uh, show on Thursday night, and then we will be off, certainly, for the Thanksgiving week. Um, no shows Thanksgiving week, and sort of taking a little break there. We'll see when we return, and if we return, might only be one show a week. We'll sort of keep you uh, updated as we head into off-season mode here for a little bit, and I get to uh, recharge some batteries. Kevin gets to recharge some batteries as well, uh, and, and hopefully we'll be, uh, be able to uh, give you all the important stuff as it starts to break down and sort of come this way. So uh, that's sort of our, our schedule right now. Kevin, anything else? We good? This was a long show, dude. This is too long. This is what happens whenever I say, if we go 30 minutes, I'll be happy. And and so instead, we yammered and stammered through that. I, I fell asleep at least 30 minutes ago. Um, but there's, it, it's just there's so many things that are wrong with the LA Galaxy. It's hard to be concise about it because every time I think about things and I start to put, you know, two thoughts together, it turns into five thoughts of, of all the things that are sort of going sideways. And even on a day that has relatively little news, it, it still feels like, you know, you're able to fill up. Uh, with some interesting tidbits here and there and certainly social media keeps driving that as well so uh, shout out to all the people who tweet and all the people on the discord who continued the LA Galaxy talk even as the offseason is going on and keep me entertained uh, keep me on my toes trying to figure some of this stuff out alright if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter it's at kbaxter11 head on over to latimes.com for all of his soccer coverage uh, US men's national team women's national team soccer in Southern California soccer around the United States a little bit around the world as well uh, go follow him latimes.com 
at kbaxter11 on Twitter. All right, looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, at galaxypodcast, and cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can catch our articles, our podcasts, all that fun stuff right there, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gesman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Vox on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>